0: You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, recorded live at the Winnipeg Art Gallery, Adam and Eve.
1: gentlemen, please welcome Jonathan Goldstein.
2: Thank you. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. I should say, I just got back from a little book tour in the States, and one of the last gigs that I did was at a bookstore where literally there were three people there, one of whom was doing her, uh, her income tax in the front row. And I think it was, like, for 2009, she was getting a jump start. And the other two were from the cleaning staff, and they were just, like, kind of hovering around, waiting for me to finish up so that they can move the podium back into the storage closet, which is all to say it's very nice to be reading in front of actual people. Um, So I wrote this book of whimsical retellings of stories from the Old Testament called Ladies and Gentlemen, the Bible. And um, I brought with the first story in the book, Adam and Eve, to read for you. And in advance of uh, coming down here, I spoke with my parents about the story to get their feedback, Uh, if you could cue the tape. (laughs) Of you and Dad, I mean, who do you think would have been more inclined to be tempted by the fruit of knowledge?
0: Daddy, for sure. For sure. Uh huh.
2: Why do you say that?
0: Well, if you eat the apple, you get knowledge. Is that it?
2: Something like that.
0: Well, he cares about these things. I don't.
2: Well, you, what do you mean? You care about knowledge?
0: I could take it or leave it.
2: Is uh, is Dad at home?
0: Yeah, he's here. You want to speak to
2: him? Yeah. Could you think he can maybe pick up the extension? He's in the basement. so I call him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barney, pick up the phone. Bar! Barney. Hello. It's Johnny. Dad? Yeah. Hey, Dad, how are you? All right, how are you, Johnny? Good, Take good. Um, I was just talking to Mom about the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Um, Mom was saying that uh, if you both were in the situation that Adam and Eve were in, yeah. that you, you probably would have been the one who would have been more tempted by the snake. Yes. Well, let, let's just uh, enact a scenario here. Let's imagine you're Eve. Yeah. The snake has just uh, convinced you to eat the fruit of knowledge. And now you're going to mom, Adam.
1: I'm Adam?
2: You're going to be Adam. Okay. Dad, you're going to be Eve. Okay. And you're going to try to convince her to also eat the fruit of knowledge. Okay. I'm Eve. The snake approached me and offered me fruit of knowledge. And in the fruit of knowledge,
0: we could live better. I don't want any. I know enough.
2: We could go on vacation. We could know where the, the best buys there are in clothes. Look, where I'm it is I'm not interested We can go to all. Plattsburgh we okay. roll Wait, wait, wait Can I Keeping in mind again That you're living In the Garden of Eden, right? Paradise on Earth You wouldn't necessarily Be tempted to go to Plattsburgh Guess with the program Also, you there, Probably There wouldn't be any clothes To shop for Because you wouldn't be Wearing clothing
0: It don't oh. make sense Oh Well, you want to live In this garden For the rest of your life Absolutely You want to eat it? You go eat it. No, you'll eat it with me. You
2: go. I'm not interested. I just realized I can't walk around like this naked.
0: What are you getting? Hoi polloi, I like seeing you naked. Stop that. What's embarrassing?
2: It's embarrassing. I'm your husband. You can be naked in front of me. Humiliating. Oh, stop that nonsense. I want furs, nice furs and stoles around my neck with high heels. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait, now, Mom, if if you could uh, try and convince Dad to eat the fruit of knowledge.
1: Adam,
0: yes, what would dear? you think
2: about some knowledge? Not interested. How come? I'm happy. I'm very content where I am now.
0: But an intelligent, bright, handsome man like you. Handsome? Oh, yes, you are. And if you were...
2: Like, a- what would I know? What would I do? What would I learn? I don't
0: know. This is what we have to find out.
2: I'm scared, Eve. This knowledge idea is... Gary. Adam, you're so big and strong. I am I know you could do it. You think so? Oh absolutely. Oh gimme a bite, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. Uh so this is Adam and Eve. In the beginning, when Adam was first created, he spent whole days rubbing his face in the grass. He picked his ear until it bled, tried to fit his fist in his mouth, and yanked out tufts of his own hair. At one point, he tried to pinch his own eyes out in order to examine them, and God had to step in. Looking down at Adam, God must have felt a bit weird about the whole thing. It must have been something like eating at a cafeteria table all by yourself when a stranger suddenly sits down opposite you. But it is a stranger who you have created, and he is eating a macaroni salad that you have also created. And you have been sitting at the table all by yourself for over a hundred billion years, and yet still, you have nothing to talk about. It was pitiful the way Adam looked up into the sky and squinted. Before he created Adam, God must have been lonely. Now he was still lonely, and so was Adam. Then came Eve. Since the Garden of Eden was the very first village, and since every village needs a mayor as well as a village idiot, it broke down in this way. Eve, mayor. Adam, village idiot. And that is the way it was from the very beginning. Sometimes when Adam would start to speak, Eve would get all hopeful that he was about to impart something important and smart, but he would only say stuff like, little things are really great because you can put them in your hand as well as in your mouth. (laughs) Eve would often ponder how one minute she was not there or anywhere, and now she was. Adam would ponder nothing. In her dreams, Eve danced in the tops of trees. Her beautiful thoughts flew out of her ears and lit up the sky like fireflies. And there were all kinds of people to talk to and hug. And then she would hear snoring. She would wake up and there would be Adam, his yokel face pressed right up against hers, his dog food breath blowing right up her nostrils. (laughs) Eve stared up at the sky. Adam draped his arm across her chest and brought his knee up onto her stomach. God, watching in heaven, feared for Adam's broken heart, as though the whole universe depended on it. Adam was close to the animals and spent all day talking to them. Except for God, Eve had no one. She would complain to the Lord any chance she got. Adam is a Nimrod, she would say, and the Lord would remain silent. God was the best in all that, and she loved the hell out of him. But when it came to trash talk, he was of no use. Adam was constantly trying to impress her. Look what I have made, he said one bright morning, his hands cupped together. Eve looked into his hands. Then she pulled away and shrieked. Adam was holding giraffe feces. I've sculpted it, said Adam. It is for the Lord. (laughs) He opened his hands wide to reveal to her a tiny little giraffe with a crooked neck. On some days, Adam galloped about exploring. His hair was wiry, and when it got sweaty, it hung in his eyes. Adam was cute this way. On one such day, he saw a snake. Adam made the snake's acquaintance by accidentally stepping on his back. He lifted the snake from off the ground and brought him up to his face to see him better. Their eyes locked. And in that very moment, the snake concluded that, indeed, Adam was a lummox, and that as king of the earth, his reign would very soon end. There was a new sheriff in town, and it was he. It was no longer the story of Adam, but the story of the snake. He could tell all of this just by simply looking into his idiot eyes. "'I have seen you with another like you,' he said to Adam. "'But instead of the dead snake between the legs, she has chaos there.' "'That's Eve,' said Adam, all animated. "'I named her that myself. "'God made her from out of my rib.' "'He showed the snake the scar on his side. "'The snake looked at Adam in silence. "'The idea of Adam, Adam the schlemiel, Adam the fool, "'being God's favorite, was enough to give the snake a migraine. "'You aren't at all like I imagined,' the snake said.' I thought you'd be closer to the ground, more pliant, greener. I tried to explain to God that to make you balanced up on your hind legs was architecturally unsound. I don't know why I bother. (laughs) Adam sat and listened wide-eyed. Eve had not the patience to sit and chat like this, so when the snake suggested they get into the habit of meeting every once in a while to talk, Adam was very excited to do so. As they lazed on their backs, staring up at the sky, the snake would brag about how he was older than the whole world, and that he used to pal around with God in the dark, back before creation. He said that in the darkness, it was a truer, freer time, that in the darkness was the good old days. He told Adam that back in the very beginning, he had all kinds of thoughts on how to make the Garden of Eden a better place, but that God was just too stubborn to listen to reason. "'Make the earth out of sugar,' I told him." Instead of stingers, give bees lips they can kiss you with. The snake had opinions about everything. Often he complained about the other animals. The hyenas stole my pecans, the snake said. The squirrels don't respect me. A zebra tried to kill me. Adam didn't always agree with the snake. In fact, a lot of what the snake said went straight over his head. But there was still something about him that made him get into a very particular mood. He made the world feel bigger. Sometimes when Adam was with Eve, sitting there in icy silence, he would think to himself, I sure could go for a good dose of snake. (laughs) Adam really loosened up with him, which made it all the more sad to watch the snake's duplicity. You would think that after all the time they spent together, the snake would find it within himself to start liking Adam just a little bit, but instead he only grew to hate him more. He took to comforting himself with thoughts of Adam's wife, Eve. From what he heard from Adam, she was, as well as being hot, very smart. Often he would imagine running into her and the instant synergy they would have. Adam neglected to tell me how leggy you are, he would say, wrapping around her calf. The snake had no idea what he looked like. He was hairless, buck-toothed, four inches tall, and he spoke with a lisp. Adam had the IQ of a coconut husk, but he was still human. The snake, in his arrogance, was unable to grasp this, and so he daydreamed. Sometimes I'd think you were watching me, the snake imagined, saying to Eve, because I felt like there were ribbons wrapped around me. I would turn around to catch you sneaking a peek from behind a tree, but all I'd see were the hedgehogs, which mocked me. On Eve's very first day, Adam had explained to her the rules of the garden just the way God had explained them to him. He had lifted his head up and had made his back stiff. He had spoken the way a radio broadcaster from the 1940s would. Another kind of woman, someone softer than Eve, might have found this charming. He explained that except for the tree of knowledge, every tree in the garden was theirs to eat from. "'I am a fan of the pear,' Adam said. "'It is not unlike an apple whose head craves God.' Tell me more about this tree of knowledge, said Eve. She enjoyed the sound of it, the tree of knowledge. It sounded very poetic. There's not much to tell, said Adam. If we eat from it, we will die. From then on, Eve talked about the tree of knowledge all the time. It was tree of knowledge this and tree of knowledge that. It's like it wasn't even a tree at all, but a movie star. Sometimes she would just stand by the tree and stare at it. It was on such an occasion that she met the snake. When Eve first caught sight of him, she brought her hand to her mouth and gasped. She had seen some repulsive animals in her day, a booby that percolated her vomit to just beneath her tonsils, a dingo that instilled in her a sublime sense of nature's cruelty, and a death watch beetle that filled her with existential dread. But still, there was something about the snake that made her realize in a flash that the world was anywhere from 60 to 80% oilier than she would have ever imagined. (laughs) "'Hi,' said the snake. "'In the mood for some fruit of knowledge? "'It's fruity.' (laughs) "'We were told not to eat from that tree "'or else we would die,' said Eve. "'Die.' "'What an ignorant thing to say,' said the snake, "'all chewing on a blade of grass in the side of his mouth.' If there is an escape hatch from paradise, then it's not really paradise, is it? The snake made interesting points, and that appealed to Eve. He could see he was making an impression. All I'm saying is to give it a try. Many things will be made immediately clear to you once you partake. I can talk about it all day, and you still won't get it. You have a right to at least try it, right? I'm not saying go out and eat an entire fruit. Have a nibble. A nibble isn't really eating, is it? Eve found arguing semantics exhilarating. She looked at the tree. The way the sun shined through its leaves was beautiful. Everything seemed to point to nibble the fruit. Then the snake said, think about it. Does God want companions who can think for themselves or does he want lackeys and yes men? Wouldn't God want a few surprises? God's telling you not to eat the fruit was just a test to see if you could think for yourselves, to see if you could exist as equals to God. The day you taste the fruit is the day God will no longer be lonely. At least give it a lick. Eve looked at the fruit. Then she looked at the snake. Then, slowly, she parted her lips and pushed out her tongue, all wet and warm and uncertain. She ran its tip along the smooth flesh of the fruit. The snake smiled. "'has anyone died?' he asked. "'Now take a tiny little nibble, just a speck, just to see.' "'The fruit was squishy and tart. "'She smushed it around in her mouth. "'She squinted her eyes. "'It was a bit like trying on new glasses. "'It was a bit like an amyl nitrate popper. "'It was a bit like a big wet kiss on the lips right at first "'when you weren't sure if you wanted to be kissed or not. "'She felt a thousand little feet kicking at her uterus.' The idea of her own nudity, as well as Adam's, had always felt more like a Nordic co-ed health spa thing. <laughs> now, with the fruit of knowledge, it felt more like a Rio de Janeiro carnival thing. Her breasts felt like water balloons filled with blueberry jam and birds. Her nipples were like lit matchsticks. Her thighs, the way they swished against each other, were like scissors cutting through velour. With her lips still glistening in tree of knowledge fruit juice, she ran off to find Adam. The snake watched her as he chewed on his slimy blade of grass, and as she receded into the distance, he thought something along the lines of, now that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Kiss me, Adam, said Eve. Taste my lips. Adam, like any lummox truly worth his salt, could smell the minutest trace of knowledge coming his way, and thus he knew how to avoid it like the plague. But yet there was also this. Eve never sought him out in the middle of the day before just to kiss him. It felt like a very lucky thing. When he took her in his arms, he told her that he loved her with his whole entire heart. He closed his eyes tightly and brought his lips to hers. Then he squinted. Then it started to rain, and Eve began to cry. During the darkest days ahead, with the fratricides and whatnot... Adam would often think back to his brief time in Eden. As he became an old man, he would talk about the garden more and more. A couple of times he'd even tried to find his way back there, but he very soon became lost. He didn't try too hard anyway. He didn't want to bother God any more than he already had. When Adam met someone he really liked, he would say, I so wish you could have been there. It didn't seem fair to him that he was the one that got to be in Eden. This sunset isn't bad, he'd say. But the sunsets in Eden, they burned your nose hairs. They made your ears bleed. He couldn't even explain it right. When you ate the fruit in Eden, it was like eating God, he would say, and God was delicious. When you wanted him, you just grabbed him. Now when he ate fruit, he can only taste what was not there. But it wasn't all bad. After Eden, Eve became much gentler with Adam. After getting them both cast out, she decided to try as hard as she could to give Adam her love. She knew it was the very least she could do. She sometimes even wondered if that was why God had sent the snake to her in the first place. Adam would tell his grandkids, his great-grandkids, and his great-great-grandkids about how he and Nana Eve had spent their early days in a beautiful garden, naked and frolicking, and the kids would say, Ew. The children would swarm into the house like a carpet of ants. The youngest ones would head straight for Adam, lifting his shirt to examine his belly for the umpteenth time. They smoothed their hands across his flesh and marveled. Where's Grandpa's belly button, they all asked. He stared at the children. They were all his children. And as they slid their little hands across his blank stomach, he wondered what it was like to be a kid. Thanks. Thank you, guys. John K. Sampson, Christine Fellows, Leanne Zacharias. Um.
1: The old house drinks everything we hide and hum sad songs that keep us up all night with the doorknobs loose. Good for you. Taps reversed
2: Thank you guys so much for coming out It was really a lot of fun Thank you Thank
1: you. Got this feeling,
0: but today doesn't like me. On Wiretap today, yeah. you heard Jonathan Goldstein reading like the story of Adam and Eve from his new book, today. Ladies and Gentlemen, the Bible. Today's Wiretap was recorded at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival with a live performance by John K. Sampson, Christine Fellows, and Leanne Zacharias. Special thanks to recording engineer Joe Dudich, assistant engineer Alan Braverman, John Klepko, and Derek Alaschuk. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Mira Berkwintonik and Carolyn Warren. Production assistance from Crystal Duhame. Make Tune into Wiretap Sunday at 1, somebody, 4 Pacific Time, and Wednesday evening at 11.30. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca/slash wiretap, where you can download the latest Wiretap ringtone.
1: Marcy, pick up the phone!
0: Feel just like Buzz Goldstein with every ring of your phone. And if you're in Montreal Sunday, May 3rd, join Jonathan Goldstein at the AMC Forum, where he'll be introducing a screening of This American Life Live. For more information, visit thisamericanlife.org.
1: Guess our wishes, don't do dishes or break repairs. Make them something somebody can use. Full of ominous weather, smirking smile of a high pressure ridge, got more faults than the state of California. Is a badly built bridge Seems the most I have to offer Doesn't offer much Make it something somebody can use Make this something somebody can use